Hey friends, hey. As we head toward our 200th episode, I realized Stitch Please is more than a podcast. It's an archive, a resource, a community, a place for learning, exploration, and good cheer. It's highly rated across platforms and nominated for awards. And it's always centered on Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing, and always provides a space to hear, learn from, and be inspired by Black creatives. To keep this unique project going, we need your help to create the change we want to see. Throughout September, listen to the podcast's first ever live So Black series. Recorded with a live studio audience in Atlanta, Georgia, I talk with sewing and quilting all-stars, E. Bond, Sarah Bond, Nikki Griffin, Rashida Coleman-Hale, Naomi Johnson, Sean Kimber, Bianca Springer, and Sarah Trail. These amazing conversations culminate in a most special 200th episode, but the party doesn't stop there. Enter the 200th episode giveaway with weekly prizes from AccuQuilt, including a grand prize Go Big electric cutter. It's a great chance to get your stitch together. You can enter the giveaway and listen to the podcast at blackwomenstitch.org. Share our 200th episode posts on your social media. You can also donate through our tax-deductible ActBlue site or sign up for Patreon, which is getting first access to some fun new projects in September. Join us as we celebrate 200 episodes of Stitch Please, the weekly podcast centering Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing, celebrating those who stitch, create, and liberate. Thank you. Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Black Women's Stitch and the Stitch Please podcast is grateful for all the support that made So Black possible. Special thanks to our underwriters, Spoonflower. Thanks also to Moda for generous sponsorship. Thank you, Bernina, for your wonderful support. Thank you also to Amtrak for partnering with us. Special thanks to those who shared resources to equip the space. This includes AccuQuilt, Orafil, Crimson Tate, So Easy, Ruby Star Society, Free Spirit Fabrics, Kai Scissors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Special thanks to Focusrite for making the live recording possible through the donation of an audio interface, the Focusrite 18i8. Thanks to the Bridge PAI for the initial funding, and thanks also to the Modern Quilt Guild for their generous support. Thank you all so much for making this possible. Hey friends, hey, welcome. I'm Lisa Woolfork and this is the Stitch Please Podcast. And as I say every week, this is a very special episode because this episode is being recorded at So Black, an affinity space at the MQG 
QuiltCon in Atlanta, Georgia. I am in a space that is so filled with so much beautiful blackness and joy. And I am so glad to be here. And I am so grateful to be. So we are here at a panel discussion, Sewing for the Culture. And we have some wonderful representations of that, including to my left, Nikki Griffin of Atlanta Sewing Style. Y'all can clap. It's a studio audience, y'all. Come on. Let's get some studio noise up in here. I don't have money for sound effects, so please clap. to my immediate right, we have Sarah Trail, who is the founder of the Social Justice Sewing Academy. And to her right, we have Bianca Springer. Say it, Bianca. Please say it, Bianca, the Bahamian way, right? We're going to say it, Bianca. Um, and we, she, Bianca is the author of Represent. an embroidery book with 10 colorful projects, hundreds of designs. I took her class last night. Bianca also has been a very beautiful supporter. All of these folks here have been a supporter of Black Women's Stitch since Black Women's Stitch became an idea. Um, And last night I went to Bianca's hand stitching class and she had created for me a custom template for myself for me to stitch for my, you know, work, find yourself. It had words like podcast, stitch, liberation, black women. It was just like, it was the things that mean something to me. And that is an example of the kind of care I think that we can have in community. So we're going to start with some really, I think, when you think about the phrase for the culture, what does that mean to you? Because even that phrase for the culture is something that we say as a way to kind of call in all, uh, all that is the beauty of blackness. Audre Lorde described it as blackfulness. Like imagine mindfulness, but with blackness, blackfulness. That's what I feel here right now. And that's kind of what I get when I think about for the culture. I'm going to start with you since you since your book is represent and it does have designs that are very much black centered, black forward designed for and about us. Tell us about how you got started with that and how for the culture shows up in your work. Well, this book was born out of an experience where I I was incapacitated and needing to to continue to be creative while I was recovering from an injury. And the fastest, quickest way for me to create was with embroidery. So I did a little Amazon search, just did the bestsellers, sent them to my house. And they were white authors stitching white themes. And I, because I couldn't get up and move, I stitched them, but I modified them to look like me, look like my kids, to represent my story. And... I was I was dissatisfied, but, you know, in that moment, it was just the way life was. It was me just saying, this is what it means to be a black person in a white creative space. And it, it, it was very normalized in that moment. And so I didn't buck the system. I just did what I did. I switched it up for me. A couple years later, similar injury, opposite knee. And again, I was like, okay, I need to do something. Ordered the books again from the same authors, new releases from them, but the content was the same. And I was frustrated with that. I sent those books back and then started creating designs on my own. What, what did I want to see? What did my kids, what would they get excited about? And um, 
So I started tweaking designs for embroidery for myself. And then I had an opportunity to go to Quilt Market, which is an industry event for um, fabric companies and, um, and designers in Houston. And I had won a contest with Moda uh, earlier that year, and I was—it was a bag design contest, and I was carrying that bag when I walked past CNT Publishing, and they—they they stopped and we started chatting. I had done a little work with them, but I hadn't met any representative in person, so I just sat and started chatting with them. And someone said, "You—you you look, your look is artistic. I see your Instagram. You are creative. I think you have a book in you." They set me up with a meeting the next day. I had no plan. I didn't have an idea for a book, but I sat down with the acquisitions editor and she said, you know, she's like, what do you want to write? What books, what craft books do you enjoy stitching from? And I said, I'm going to be 100% with you right now. And I took the books off their shelves and I said, this book, I will never stitch. This book, I would never buy. And I just pulled them all and I'm like, none of these are me. These are not written for me. They don't center me. I opened a book and I'm like, this little girl does not look like my daughter. And if I brought this home and said, honey, let's stitch this, I'm communicating to her the value and worth of that person. Mm-hmm. And that's, right. I, that's not what I want to tell her. I want her to pick up a book from start she doesn't have to change it unless it's a creative decision you shouldn't have to change the nose you shouldn't have to struggle to get hair texture you shouldn't have all of that stuff I was like I'm not going to pay to be disrespected by anyone light it light it up and I was very I had nothing to lose no one was I wasn't you know they say not all good money all money I mean, is good all money money and good money so I wasn't about to pander and try to get a book deal on a concept that would fit the market I was telling them the market doesn't work for me yeah and to their credit she was like I hear you help us we want we want the book you have in you we want to tell the story you want to tell and so from that creating for the culture for mm. me, was about filling a void, but doing it in a way that brings comfort. It wasn't, I'm like, I want fun designs. I want happiness. I want when someone picks up this book to, to feel like, oh, I am seen. And this is fun. I want to stitch it. Yes, that's 700 French knots on that portrait. But that's a sister with a fire afro, and I'm going to do it. And so for it's about just stepping into that space and bringing other people in, telling the stories I think are important to us, doing it in a way that says, if this is my only shot, I've said something, and doing it in a way that says, here's what we have to say. I hope you realize we want it. We are responding to it, so continue publishers, fabric designers, continue to see us, continue to utilize our talents and let us speak to our community. Yes, that's beautiful. And what I love is the movement from what might come from an individual, like an idea, like when I created Black Women's Stitch, I built it because I needed it. Yes. I needed it. Sarah, I'm going to turn to you now because I'm feeling luxury and I'm going to stop myself mm-hmm. where everybody leaves. Um how did that go for you when you because I know you've been in the industry although you're young you've been in the industry since you were you were designing like patterns and books when you were like 12 
right? Um, and you've been going to shows and do and producing things. When you when you pivoted from like working as a child to as an adult being on the other end so you have benefited from the child from the arts program as a young person um and you took your studies and the work that you interested did did in school and kind of pulled together this beautiful project tell me like in what ways do you think social justice sewing academy also does sewing for the culture you know, I would say SGSA does sewing for the culture in the ways that we really do it with anyone. And I think people love to talk about like, oh, like kids from concentrated communities of disadvantaged are always framing kids in this deficit model, of like disenfranchised kids. And it's like, yo, like chill on that rhetoric. Like I can't stand the disempowering way that often white spaces talk about our black and brown kids. And it's like whether, you know, y'all want to donate or whatever, you still don't need to frame them in that. Like I've been in workshops in Baltimore and hearing firsthand from those kids how how dilapidated the city is and how everyone talks about the city. And the kids are like, what about us? Like we're here and and we're we're seen and like we need to be heard. And I think that often rhetoric plays such an important part in in kids' feelings of autonomy, their self-agency, their efficacy. And like I think when we say do it for the culture, it's more than just the creation of like making art that we care about, but it's really like it's uplifting blackness. It's promoting blackness. Yes. It's, you know, in, in all forms of blackness. The blackness yes. with homeboy who's sagging his pants with yes, his Gucci exactly. boxers. Exactly. It, and it's blackness who's fitting all the modes of respectability politics. Exactly. And it's not making, you know, yucking someone's yum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like regardless of the ebonics or it's regardless of the, if they want to stitch cuss words in their block, we're going to let them stitch cuss words in their block. And while their teacher might say, you know, that's not okay. If that's their lived experience and they're talking about racism and this is how they want to promote it then let them do that. And I think it's really, it's no rules, no limits, all gas, no breaks when it comes Mm -hmm. to sewing. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, how SUSA does it for the culture. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. I love it. I love it. And I am, as you know, I'm I'm here for all of it. Nikki, Nikki Griffin from Atlanta Sewing Style and Sewing My Style. All gas, no breaks. All gas, no breaks. Talk about all gas, no breaks. Um, You know, Nikki Griffin, like, can, can do it all. Um, she uh, organizes uh, this wonderful sewing community. She makes um, bras and teaches bra making online. She just had a January session where you made jeans in January, um, and she provided the kits. And because she didn't talk to me first, the bags that she made for the January, she cut on a doggone cricket and pressed herself. And I was like, oh, girl, girl, why don't you call me before you start projects like this? Because that's not the way. Um, because I could, I could, I could, I could have made it. Yeah, I, I could have made it easy for you, you but learn. that's okay. We'll, we'll talk about next year. We will do sublimation in a different, the different episode. We'll talk about <laughs> sublimation printing in a different episode because everyone needs to have sublimation printer. It'll help. You'll change your life. Um, <laughs> Nikki, we are so glad and welcome. Tell me, what do you hear? What do you mean when you pull together Atlanta sewing style? I've seen some beautiful photo shoots that mm-hmm. you have done. They'll go to, um, I think you might have gone, was, was it? We, the one we did with the cars where you all went out in the oh, kind of the yeah. 50s or 20s. Yeah. Well, she does amazing work. Tell us, how does what does sewing for the culture mean for Atlanta sewing style? I think it's more DNA and less intention because how it started. I, when I started teaching, I stopped sewing for 20 years. And then when I came back, I said, okay, let me teach just to get my, my juices going and everything. I started teaching kids. That lasted for about six months. And... I was teaching at a white-owned studio where it was, you know, white customers. But every Wednesday, they had a open sewing night, and maybe five of us would show up. So when I was there, 
you know, we're in mixed company. The, the, the energy is just kind of bland. But I noticed when we got together, we were at one table. The energy shifted to where you were. If all of us were at one table and everybody else was around, the energy kind of shifted. So I started feeling that. And everyone was from Atlanta. So it was just this natural happening mm. that, that came together. And what we did, I said, well, let's just do this all the time. Because it is a it's a DNA match. Mm, I always say it's our uh, ancestral craft. Everybody's grandmother, auntie, (laughs) great grandmother, right? It's passed down to you. So when we were together at this white studio, it was it it was just different. So we had to do it. So I think it was it it was very divinely ordered. Um, I'll give you a, a really quick example of how it really. Black Women Stitch is happy to celebrate the 200th episode of the Stitch Please podcast with AccuQuilt. It's our birthday, but thanks to AccuQuilt, we're giving gifts. All September, we're counting down to 200 episodes on October 4th. Every week, we're giving away one AccuQuilt Go Me fabric starter set with a bonus Quilt As You Go bag making kit. We also have a grand prize of a Go Big electric fabric cutter starter set. We'll announce the winner when the 200th episode drops. Visit Black Women's Stitch and socials to enter. If you are new to AccuQuilt and are thinking about investing in their system, the Ready, Set, Go bundle is your best value. Ready, Set, Go provides everything you need to get started. AccuQuilt Go Cutter, the 8-inch cube to create 72 blocks, a die to easily cut multiple strips, squares, and diamonds, and a pattern book. Purchased separately, this bundle would cost almost $1,000, but during September, you can get it for 20% off with our code SPPODCAST200. The best part is at any time, you can upgrade your Go Cutter to the fantastic Go Big, which is what I have, where the AccuQuilt magic can happen at the touch of a button. Links are in the show notes. Discount code SPPODCAST200 is good for September 2023 divinely ordered um i'll give you a a really quick example of how it really hit me that this was not going to be my life i'm teaching about eight people eight white women and i'm teaching i'm the expert in the room and when i'm having a conversation just like this with you know one of the students that's sitting next to me and we're talking about where we lived and i lived in a community called avondale estates still do And another woman on the other end of the table, her contribution to that conversation was, oh, you live in Avondale Says? Yeah, I do. You know that was the last community that was allowed to sell their houses to colored people. I did not stutter and make that up. Those were her exact words. And I said, everyone in the class was silent. Like, did she really say that? But my thought was different. Yeah, but you said that. Okay. And yeah, things are going to be different now. I think the next week. Did she come I back? I made this shirt. This fabric was flying out the door at that, at that, at that shop. They were coming. Oh, we need the faces, the crowded faces. And I sat in that shop one night when I wasn't busy and made this shirt. And I wore it all the time with the few days left that I that I taught. And I told the owner, I said, 
I'm one of your instructors. I don't know who's signing up for the classes, but if you see her name on one of my classes, you either remove her or I'm not teaching the class. And I think she took a little further and told the woman she wasn't welcome at all. Okay, fine. Atlanta Sewing Style kind of took off after that because I didn't want to be in that environment mm-hmm. that I had to watch what I said or even be concerned about what I said. So Atlanta Sewing Style was born, and I think everyone felt the same thing. When we just put the call out, we had about 20 women show up. Our theme was spring dresses. Mm. And we made spring dresses, and we went out. We just picked a location, and we hired a photographer, and... Had so much fun. And we were at home. Lisa, you, when you talk about the the experience you had sewing with the whites mm-hmm. and when you found your lane, yep. man, what the exhale feels like. Yes. Right? Yes. It, right? it may, I've kind of felt like when I create, like, you know, when I look around at you all being here, I'm like, I feel like I'm like, I wasted so much time. I wasted so much time. I really feel like I wasted so much time. I spent decades of my life being the lonely only. And when I, when I learned to quilt, I learned to quilt at a local quilt shop. I went to a technical college as well to study sto- sewing as well on the side. All of my like formal training was with white folks. You know, the person I apprenticed with a quilter, she was a white woman. All of these different things that I did was all very white. And I realized that between my work life and then this was between my hobby, my free time, it was more of the same, like reproducing the same kind of conditions and, you know, generating the same outcomes. Then I started looking for black sewing stuff. I said, you know, because I can't do this. I refuse to sew with anybody who doesn't believe my children's lives have value. Never again. Never. I don't do sewing with the whites. And I looked through and I saw Social Justice Sewing Academy and I was like that's a place that I could belong and I bet I could create something I could build what I needed and that's what sewing for the culture means for me I want to say this thank you this is how this community works I've had so much success thank you father I've had so much success in my sewing brand I would not be a bra maker if it wasn't for Black Women's Stitch. I would not know about Sarah's organization if it wasn't for Black Women's Stitch. I was doing my little thing in Atlanta, but God had something different for me and others like me. There was this global movement. It's Black Women's Stitch is not a brand. There was just this global movement that said, there is a community out there because it's different. The creativity is different. I was doing my thing with the whites. I love that term. I, did, I coined it, sewing with the whites. And sewing with the whites is what I don't do anymore. Right. No. And, and, and we sew in color, y'all. Yeah. We sew in color. I was reading an article the other day, and it said, um, you know, fashion, uh, fashion was created. Africans made it art. I might have murdered it a little bit, but you get the point. So that's what this community does also. So sewing for the culture means that to me. We're sewing into each other. There's so much more. I would probably just be still teaching, you know, but there, yeah. 
it was just so much more being introduced to this world. And that's because of Lisa. Again, this, I built what I needed. I built what I needed and it turns out other people needed it too. And that feels really great. So Black is made possible by some amazing people on the Black Women's Stitch team. Christina Gifford, Janelle Velasco, Latrice Sampson-Richards, Naomi P. Johnson, Shauna Jefferson, Jill Bates-Moore, Nikki Griffin, Coco Springer, Alicia Turlington, and Adrian Dent. And in full Snoop Dogg style, I'd like to thank myself for pulling this together and believing in me. Let's give it up for Lisa Woolford. And if you want to find out what's happening next, follow Black Women Stitch on TikTok and Instagram and sign up for our email list. Check out the Stitch Please podcast with new episodes every Wednesday, including episodes from QuiltCon coming out soon. I want to talk about the, the community building. And one of the things that I think is important that we imagine sewing and quilting as a way to build mutual bonding, creates opportunities for collaboration, and helps you kind of get a sense of love and exploration. Can you talk about how any ways that you have facilitated community building through your craft? I would say community really stitches together in the sense of of letting the young people, you know, have the microphone. There's a quote that really that really resonates from Aaron Dottie Roy that says there's no such thing as the voiceless, only the deliberately silenced or the preferably unheard. And I think often all our black and brown kids are deliberately silenced, told to be quiet by the whites or mm. systems of oppression, power, privilege, intersectionality. Like we can we can go into the, yep. the framework behind it, but really they're often deliberately silenced and more often than not, you know, they're deliberately ignored. And I think that like, you know, being a kid, you know, in a school system, like you go to school systems that, you know, don't listen to like things you care about or things you want and resource and funding. And I think really in giving them an opportunity to make art through fabric, it's an opportunity where it's like whatever you care about is going to be what you want to do. And it's like coming from someone who's been indoctrinated in the sewing culture. And you know, I started sewing, you know, in professional classes from the age of six. Seam Ripper was my best friend. I did the quarter inch. And if it was any bit bigger than the quarter inch, I picked it out. You know, my paper piece seams always matched my foundation pieces always match like I did it the right way yes I had to do it the white way the, mm. and that alone was you know like it, it needed to look like the pattern of the class I was gonna do right and I think in creating SJSA I was like there is gonna be no right way there's gonna be no white way there's mm. gonna be just what we want to do yes there's, it's like we're going the opposite we're gonna have a class with no seam rippers we're gonna have a class with no rules we're gonna have a class with no patterns we're gonna have a class with no expectation of what you here to create we're just going to let you just be just you just explore yes. and feel the fabric. And I think yes. in allowing kids to have that is the intersection and really the introduction to sewing. It creates a very different experience because I've taught the kids at Joann's. I've taught the kids at Michael's. I've done the we're going to make PJs. I've taught prom dresses, tote bags, aprons, you name it. But when you're we're making aprons, there's a this is what it's supposed to look like. And if yours is jacked up, you're going to know yours is jacked mm -hmm. up because your yes. apron doesn't look right. Right. Exactly. You know, but, but when you're doing SGSA classes, there is no like prototype of what it's supposed to look like. Like you get to be that. And if you don't like it, don't glue it down. Right. Like it's not per applique is forgiving. Yes. Applique is flexible. And when you start with art quilt techniques, as opposed to the regimented rules of what sewing can often be, you're really unlearning and decolonizing, you know, even the, the, the 
like we're, we're starting with G's bin style. Like yes. there is no rules. No rules. Do it your own way. That's right. It's like we're not starting with how sewing. Like if you Google sewing, it's rules. It's YouTube. It's this is what you do. This yes. is what you need. When you're like unlearning and saying it's fabric, you're getting ready to cut and glue. It's a collage. You know, start with what you want. And then if you want to learn more, you can learn the, the, the rules. You can learn the, you know, the techniques. No one's saying, no one's discrediting that. But making that point of entry somewhere where there's no judgment, there's no rules, and there's no hierarchy of whose is right and whose is not really makes it a very accepting. It, it, it's a different space and it's a different culture and, it, and it's a different um, atmosphere that really can get cultivated. And when kids feel comfortable and welcomed in an art form, it, it's it's like the the tenfold. Like you can see them just it's like, you know, you can spark that that mind that's going to go, you know, build a neighborhood down, like burn it down. Yes. You know what yes, I mean? Like you yes, can, yes, you can yes. be that spark. And the thing I love what you said, that what often the quilting has all these pr- these rules. We talk about the quilt police because people really do try to police like, oh, this is uneven or this is not right or this is not the right, the right set of colors or it doesn't fit. It's all the regimentation. And I think that sometimes when they when folks learn in an environment that is not flexible or like home ec in school and the constant many complaints I hear from folks about home ec and um it becomes important that this is a rule-less space and that they can just be. The idea of being just, just being able to be, to just exist, that that is enough, that you are enough as you are, as you think, you know. When you say you don't have a scene ripper, I took a class with Sarah Bond yesterday, and it was paper piece in class. And in it, she said, well, I don't know about you guys, but I think, I think, I think um, perfection is a tool of oppression. And I was like, it is! <laughs> Idiot! I'm scaring everybody around me as I almost jumped out of my seat and going, that's right. And so, wait, I'm going to get back to my sewing. I will not get on what other things are tools of oppression. I will continue with my sewing. Um, but I'm going to ask the panel the question I ask at the end of every episode. The slogan of the Stitch Please podcast is that we will help you get your stitch together. Each one of you, I want you to think about it because I'm going to come back to you. Bianca, yes. how are you going to help us get us? What, what would be your advice to us um, in this space um, to get our stitch together? To help us, what would you offer to help us get our stitch together? Particularly at QuiltCon as a garment maker. I know I've seen a lot of garment makers um, from the sewing community here. I, I think... Consider a new technique, consider implementing a skill, consider a fabric you hadn't thought of in a new way. So be step outside of that garment making framework and see what quilty elements you can start to bring into your work because there are they are endless, they are wonderful and in order in by doing so as a garment maker, I found in this space there are quilters who haven't considered garment making. And if you expand what you can do by exploring what quilting has to offer and yes. bring that into your garment making, you're, you're also expanding the possibility for the quilter who's not considered the other side. Yes. And so just be open. And it's so fun. I, you know, I'm not a quilter. I've made three quilts in my life, but I'm a garment maker and I'm integrating those techniques. I'm teaching a class on them tomorrow, and I love it. I love um, the exploration and fun and creativity creativity I've found in implementing quilting techniques. And it's been fun to hear quilters venture into garment making because they've seen that. So there's there's a, a wonderful, like the wall between garment making and 
um, quilting seems to be rigid, but it's not. It's a it's a wavy line. So cross that line, and um, you know, and you'll see some new possibilities. Great. Thank you so much. And that reminds me, we have the So Black Sewing Show, which is an online project that we're doing. And we have partnered with Free Spirit Ruby Star, uh, Free Spirit Ruby Star and Spoonflower. And what we've done is we've connected them with black sewing influencers, um, including Aronica Cole, who was here yesterday, the Corny Rainbow, Julian Collins, Terrence, Nikki. Am I forgetting somebody? I feel like I am. I'm so sorry if I've forgotten somebody charge it to my head and not my heart. But what we are doing is taking quilting fabrics and and wearing them in order to show quilters how easy it is to make clothes with the fabrics you already know and love. And so we've been emphasizing and highlighting Rashida Coleman-Hale and Jen Hewitt for Ruby Star. We've worked with E. Bonds Fabrics and um, Janine LaCour from Spoonflower. Um, Thank you. Sarah, how are you going to help us get our stitch together? I would just say we, we just have to do Sankofa. Reach one, teach one. And if y'all don't have a mentor, DM me because I've got mad kids who just want, you know, a, a mentally healthy w- with the means grandparent to just give back. And the amount of young people that just don't have that is, is outstanding. And if you know, if you're it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter where you live. Like we've got high school kids that are like, hey, we did a workshop. Can you teach me how to sew. And it's like there's not, you know, 50 me's and we don't yeah. need 50 me's because we've got a community. Right. But it's like if, besides your grandkids, if you can't say someone that you're helping mentor, like that's a shame. Like, mm. And I'd really just challenge and push us all. And like, and if not, you can make an Instagram post. If there's any young person and it doesn't even have to be about financial. It's just about time. It's about checking in. And it's about, you know, coming them in a space with no judgment to really just give back. Because beyond, you know, our family and, you know, I know my grandparents taught me. It's different if someone else that's not even your blood pours into you. And mm. that's, I think, often what means a lot with these kids getting their blocks and bordered by the greater community. Someone who doesn't know me cares about me. And that level of affirmation alone can go a long way. So if anyone doesn't have a young person, and I mean young person, they could be high school, they could be mentor, they could be a guy from Nigeria who's yes. never been to America. Like they can be anyone, but there's always someone that needs help. And if you don't know them, then let someone put you in touch with someone who needs the help. So by all means, reach out. I love it. And thank you so much for bringing him to us today. We w- we spoke with Uzoma Samuel. Samuel. And it's so wonderful. The, the, he, he had these canvases that were rolled up and he unrolled them. And everybody gasped. Everybody was just stunned and taken aback. And his first quilt, the first quilt he's ever made, is downstairs. You will not believe this is anybody's first quilt. Um, So, Nikki, how are you going to help us get our stitch together? Um, I think I want to continue on Bianca's uh, message because I was thinking um, about how we've continued to build this community. I never knew there was so many black quilters because mm-hmm. I'm not a quilter. I got invited to the modern quilt guild, the local modern quilt guild. Somebody found me and said, will you come and speak to us? I'm like, about what? And I went and they wanted to learn how to take measurements. And you know, that wall you talk about, I would, I would say that that wall is clear mm-hmm. because there's so much that we have in common. But if you do have a, a local modern quilt guild in your area, Check it out. There's some black women there, black men. There's some black people in that organization and continue to build that. You will thank yourself later because it's, you know, just like this, all the black people that we're celebrating mm. who are quilters and, mm. and, and have these classes and everything. So that's what I would say. Oh, that's wonderful.
Thank you so much for being here, y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, we are so grateful to our guests. Can we get a round of applause for Nikki, Bianca, and Sarah? You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out with, to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really, really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts um, directories or services allow for reviews but for those who do for those that have like a star rating or just ask for a few comments if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the Stitch Please podcast that is incredibly helpful thank you so much come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together